This is Amateur Logic, episode 75 for February 15th, 2015. DV3000 Raspberry Pi Hotspot. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com. Got cabin fever? Well, get out or hunker down with ICOM. Welcome to Amateur Logic TV, episode 75. I'm George. I'm Tom. And I'm Peter. And man, we've Boy, got... It, 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 it just, hey, it's funny, you know, it feels like we, it, it, hardly any time has passed since we made our last episode. I would say this is a Groundhog Day edition, but it's not. It's a Friday 13th yeah. edition. Yeah, it's deja vu. That, that's when we're actually shooting it. But we've got a good show for you tonight, and I'm not lying about that in my time. No, you're not. You, you say that pretty much every week, but you're usually right. I, I usually am, but but especially this one. I, I think we've got an extra good show this time around. Uh, let's get on into it. We've got a, a few things we want to talk about. First, though, what have you been up to? Well, it's been a little time at the Capital City Ham Fest. Yeah. And uh, I've been kind of tinkering around with a few projects around the house. Some uh, little Arduino things, the Raspberry Pi things. So we'll see some of those coming in the future. Yeah, I've been doing sort of the same thing. And uh, I just finished a, a good project here that I've been working on with our good friend, Mike Morneau, VE3MIC. You know, the, the guy with the yeah. Christmas album. And the moose. And the moose. Yeah. Yeah, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. We, we've been working on a DV3000 Raspberry Pi hotspot, and we'll have a little more on that later in the show. Peter, yeah. what have you been up to? Well, one thing I did do was uh, I grabbed a, an Arduino Uno with a uh, LCD shield and uh, then hooked it up to a GPS uh, and a battery, took it outside, and uh, basically within 30 seconds I was able to tell what my latitude and longitude was, which was pretty good. Uh, aside from that, I've got this. It's the Raspberry Pi 2, and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, making a few projects with that. Yeah, we... Got yours yet? No, we've got them on order. They should be here tomorrow, Tommy. Yeah, I'm, I hope so. I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on mine. I'm going to say about mid-afternoon. Yeah, so uh, I'll be over here waiting for the mailman. Yeah. Because they're both actually coming here. Yeah, yeah, they are. So, uh, it's going to be fun to play with. Oh, yeah. Did you get a, co- a cover to block the no. flash? You know, they already discovered a problem where uh, the high-intensity light from the xenon flash bulbs can cause us to reboot. It's not going to be a problem for me, but yeah, I, I got a, I got a black plastic case, so now my Raspberry Pi will be safe from flashes. Yeah, I just put a little <laughs> piece of black tape over the chip. That's suspect. You got to watch for those rogue flashers. Yes, you do. Mm. And I don't even have a Z- anything with a xenon flash on it. I'll so. bring one over here. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't be rebooting my hotspot. <laughs> well, some sad news this week, and you know, it's 
it's probably lasted longer than we we would have thought it would have. But yeah. Radio Shack filed for bankruptcy on February the 5th last week. Yeah, you know, that really saddens me. I, when I was a kid, my first memories of Radio Shack, I, I, was, I delivered newspapers before school, and most of my money I earned from that I spent at Radio Shack. You know, I... It saddens me as well. It really does. That store, like we're looking at right there, there was one here in Jackson. Right over here, it was the only store in uh, Radio Shack in town, and it looked exactly like that. It was just rows and rows of pegboard and parts. Yeah. And that's mostly what it was. You'd go in there, and there'd be a big cardboard box that would just be loaded with 8-inch speakers. Yeah. And real cheap, but I'd buy some. You know, there's always something like that there. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. But, uh, yeah, those days, it hasn't been like that in a long time. Go ahead, Peter. Maybe it's for for the better, George, Tommy, because um, maybe uh, the new owners, whoever they may be, may actually look at why they, they went into bankruptcy and decide to take this store in a different direction. Here in Australia, we've got a couple of large stores uh, right across the country, um, J-Car and Altronics, that are very much like what uh, Radio Shack used to be, and they're going great guns. So maybe if they just change their focus, the new owners could actually uh, make it all work. Well, and that's a thought. You know, we really don't know exactly what's going to happen. They fell, or excuse me, they filed for Chapter 11, which means reorganization, uh, not liquidation. So Something like that could happen. Most of what I've read is that Sprint is going to buy out the remaining stores. Radio Shack's going to shut down like 1,784 stores out of the 4297 stores in the U.S. Wow. And Sprint's going to buy the ones that stay open, and they're going to rebrand the stores as Sprint, and one-third of the floor area is going to be a Sprint store, and nobody say what the rest of it's going to be. Yeah, uh, the manager at the local one here that's uh, the kind of the clearance store, he was telling me that, that they were going to have part of the store and carry some Radio Shack merchandise in there. Whether that really happens, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we, we don't know. And then I've seen other speculation that maybe this is uh, uh, what they needed to do and, and there's something else going on because one of the big problems is they just had too many stores over 4000 stores that that's too many for you know a store of this type so right the, and their creditors would not allow them to shut down any because it it costs money to shut a store down believe it or not yeah and and that by was by the way this will allow them to do that ahead. yeah yeah okay oh, by the way I was just going to say um I've heard through the grapevine that there were two middle-aged gentlemen seen buying up lots of bargains at a uh, Jackson uh, Radio Stacks Shake store. You wouldn't know anything about that, Yeah, I, I saw those guys when we were young. Those Middle young age. guys were yeah. in there. Yeah, Those young guys were in there. Yeah, I bumped into those older guys. I yeah, saw them. them. But you know... One I, of them apparently is wearing a Radio Shake t-shirt. Well, yeah. I, I'm wearing one, too, and I think those guys bought one. Yeah, I got a new wardrobe at a discount. Yeah. Talk nerdy to me. <laughs> what a dollar, so, a dollar yeah. something. Every every time I read that shirt, I hear that Weird Al Yankovic song in my head. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about the bargains you picked up. Well, we we got some good stuff here. Let me just show you one in particular. I got. <clears throat> it's a digital voltometer, of course, Radio Shack brand, 
And you'll notice I've already put a sticker with my name over the the top of where the Radio Shack logo does, yeah. like like I generally do with my Radio Shack test equipment. Uh, it's got a USB port on it, so you can hook it up to your computer. It comes with software. It's auto-ranging. You know, it's really a, a decent little meter. Now, this one, it, it's one that had been discontinued but was still at the store. At one point, went for around $80.00. I bought that one for four dollars and ninety eight cents. Oh wow! You got a steal. I did. That that was. I mean, I didn't see how I could go wrong with that. So yeah, you well, got a bag of stuff. Man, don't I just you? so happened to bring one of the bags. I, I actually I literally went twice and I came out with a grocery size bag like this full each time. I got some good stuff in here, so I don't think I'll have time to go over all of it. But but this is one of the cool things that I got, and I guess I should have taken it out of the package. Yeah, show us what that is. But it's uh, it's an emergency radio, and uh, it does AM, FM, and several several different bands. It's solar-powered, and if you don't have sun, you can actually crank the thing up and charge it. And there's a, a battery in there to reserve the, the power that you generate, and there's a USB uh, uh, port on it, so you could even charge your cell phone and flashlight built into it as well. Okay, you need to get to cranking because it wasn't very bright. Yeah, <laughs> I need to get to cranking. It, the battery was flat dead when I got it. I set it out in the sun a little while this afternoon, but uh, it needs to be charged up good. Yeah, I, I wish I would have got one of those. I, I didn't. I didn't well, notice any last time I was. Yeah, there. and I don't think I said how much I gave for it. Well, I gave much? a grand total of like two dollars and sixty something cents for it. Wow, wow. Uh, amazing now well i got a uh well i got a bunch of stuff i brought i went twice and brought back numerous bags each time but i did get these this is a set of clips earbuds that uh you would use with your um, iphone or your ipad or you know any uh portable music player that uses the uh, four conductor type of cable uh it's i'm thinking it's got a yeah it uh it's got a little control here in the cable for the volume and mute and. Oh, so you can that. use that one for yeah, like a speakerphone. Type yeah, I think thing it's got well. a, a microphone built into it. I really hadn't fooled with it yet. Uh, I plugged it in once and I saw that it worked and it sounded pretty good. These were originally like ninety nine ninety five. I bought these for thirteen forty eight. Oh, cool. You, you got something else in that bag? Man, I got a bunch of stuff. So I got um, the Arduino. You know, that there wasn't a lot of Arduino stuff left. Right, yeah. So I got, uh, but I did get a bunch of it, and uh, I guess I'll just put it all up here this time and show. Look. So I got some servos, a uh, micro, and then a regular servo. A standard servo, uh -huh. yeah. I, I got those those two. Mine were in a, a package differently, but, you know, it was basically the same thing, and it was really cheap. I'm going to kind of... What did you pay for those? Uh, two... Man, everything was two dollars. I went to the everything two dollars store. So these were two dollars and some change. I got some shields for my Arduinos. I got a relay shield and an SD card shield, both for two dollars and some change. You know, I got both of those same two shields too. Yeah, the uh, I don't think I said how much they cost, but the servos were about fifteen bucks a piece, and one of these was normally nineteen, and the other one was like twelve. That, that was the original prices. Yeah, right. But I only gave $2. Each one of these were $2 and some change. Well, I've got uh, a couple other things here that, you know, I wouldn't have bought otherwise. But uh, those maker kits, you know, they had some kits in there that they called Make It. And I got a couple of those. And let's see, which is which. Yeah, this is a Make It kit number one. It's got a lot of 
you know, standard components in there, mostly passive ones. It's got LEDs, uh, capacitors, some uh, relays, resistors, uh, just a bunch of stuff like that. It's got some spools of wire in it. It's got some battery holders. It's got a uh, proto board, you know, where you can stick your components in it and test stuff out. Um, you know, a, a box of jumper wires there is too. So a lot of stuff like that. But make it, make it kit number one. This thing was normally uh, seventy nine ninety nine, sixteen bucks. Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah, easily worth that. A lot of good stuff in there. And I also got the make it kit too. Now this one, you know, is a little more sophisticated. It was the next level up. So it's got like a DTMF style. A touchpad there. It just really doesn't have the DTMF generator, right. but a touchpad, a, a three-segment LED display, um, transistors, potentiometers, uh, some more alligator clips, uh, gee, uh, switches. You know, just a lot of different stuff. Uh, a lot of logic chips in here too, and regulators. Uh, you know, this one ha has some. A little meat to it. That's know. kind of the more hardcore kit. More hardcore kit. Uh, they were selling these, or maybe they weren't selling them. Was a problem, but <laughs> but these were like one hundred nineteen ninety nine, and that's more than I would have have spent on this. I, I don't know that it had been worth that much, but it was certainly worth nineteen ninety nine. Right. Oh yeah, no doubt. And I got two of these because by mistake. I thought I was getting three different kinds, but yeah. Uh, so I've got another one over there if you need one. Tom. Is that the one you told me you'd sell for fifty bucks? Yes, that's exactly the one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, some good hauls there, Radio Shack. You know, uh, we hate to see this happen. The store hasn't been the same for years, but you know, I worked there right out of out of college for about five years at a dealer store, and you know, I hung out at Radio Shack over the years. My wife would go to the mall. It was a great place for her to park me. Oh, yeah. And I'd go look at all those components hanging on the wall and, you know, just, just imagine what I could build. And I'd buy a lot of stuff. But once they moved them to the little drawers, you know, that, that kind of killed my buzz. I just I couldn't get inspired by looking at the drawers. Yeah, yeah, those drawers are always a shambles. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things we want to mention before we move on. Uh, Microhams is having their annual digital conference. And this is going to be in Redmond, Washington. On March the 21st, you know, that's the uh, the Microsoft Ham Club. Uh, they've got online registration open now. Uh, the focus this year is going to be all things digital and ham radio. Uh, it's going to be a great conference, and, you know, I hope maybe I can go one year to that because I met some of these guys. Well, actually, uh, Phil N2EU, who sent me the email here, I met him at Pacificon this past okay. year. So a, a lot of a lot of great hams there in the micro hams. Yeah, I was looking at that. Yeah. It looks like that ought to be a lot of fun. But what I am going to be able to go see is uh, the 2015 Orange Ham Fest in Orange, Texas. Yeah. That it's hosted by the Orange Amateur Radio Club and the Jefferson County Amateur Radio Club. It's going to be in the Orange County Convention and Expo Center in Orange, Texas, on Saturday, February 28th, from 7:30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good stuff there. They're going to have, of course, ham radio dealers. They're going to have tailgating, flea markets, VE testing, door prizes, and a lot more. And they've got some good grain prizes here. A nice 8 chef radio, a 2-meter mobile, a 2-meter handy talkie, 
And these are not the cheap Chinese radios. These are some, some cool. you know, good Japanese radios. And they're also giving away a lacrosse weather station. And uh, I'll be speaking there. I'm not sure of the exact time. I think it's around 10 a.m. on uh, Saturday, February 28th. What are you going to speak about? Um, you know, I am not sure yet. I've got to come up with something in the next two weeks. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm going to talk about uh, this this type of stuff we do. You yeah. know, tip, typical things you'd see on amateur logic. Cool. Yeah. That should be fun. And and a little bit of you know the background on how we do the shows and how it's progressed over the years. It wasn't so far out of the way. You could just swing by Dallas. And go down there. I, with I could. But it is quite far out of the way. Yeah, it really <laughs> so, is. So I won't be able to do that. I wish you could be there though. And Friday night. 6.30 p.m. if you're in Orange, uh, then you can go by the convention center. They're going to have barbecue brisket links and smoked boudin and all the trimmings. So uh, I'm looking forward to that in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, boudin. Boudin. I've, I've, yeah, I've never had that. I heard it's really good. It, yeah, I know uh, Don Wilbanks talks about it a mm-hmm. lot, and I, I don't think I've ever had it either. Well, Tommy... A couple of weeks ago, we went to the Capital City Ham Fest, and what did you see down there that you really liked? Yeah, you know, they had a competition for uh, go-kits, and uh, go-kits are actually one of the things on my list of segment ideas that I wanted to do in the future, so I was able to kind of look at those and, and, and knock out a good segment at the same time. Cool. Well, it's Ham Fest time again, and we are at the... 2015 Capital City Ham Fest in Jackson, Mississippi. You find anything? I know I've seen you looking around. I know you're bound to find something you want to buy already. Well, no, I haven't. I haven't. I've only made one short row of tables so far. There were a few things in there I would like to have, but I've got to get the whole picture before I lay down my hard cold bucks. Something very unusual happened in our careers just a few minutes ago, didn't it? Yeah, it did. We actually kind of bit the bullet and joined the ARRL. Yeah, I think we've got some evidence here. Well, here's Tommy. He's he's got the money out there, and this is something you don't see every day. Like, like how many years have you been a ham now? Since about '92. Me since '91, and we finally decided to to be bona fide, huh? (laughs) Yep, joining the ARRL. You know, that's, this is actually the first club of any type that I've actually been in. You know, I I think you're right. It's the first one I've been in, too. I've gone to a club meeting, but I've never been a member of anything before now. Yeah, that's kind of odd. It, I mean, I don't even really know what to say about that. It is kind of odd because I haven't either, so. Well, I don't know. Maybe we won't get kicked out of this one. We can join something else, too. Yeah, they can't kick you out if you pay. Oh, true. Okay, cool. Let's walk around and see what we can get into. Yeah, let's do it. I'm sure there's got to be something here with uh, your name on it. Oh, yeah, I already saw a few things that I'm kind of eyeballing. Squirrel-proof rope? Uh, Actually, I want to get some uh, Anderson power poles for one thing. Uh, I've got the bigger ones. I need to get the smaller sizes because I've got a few other pieces of gear I want to hook up. Did did you get your roll around cart for the PL two fifty nines? I did. I brought the milk crate on wheels. All right, let's hit it. So wandering around the ham fest here, we ran into somebody representing wearing the amateur logic colors and uh, uh, KC five TGT. What's your name? My name's Bobby. Yeah, so you had actually uh, an indirect appearance on the show before, haven't you? I have. You actually uh, in your APRS segment. 
showed my station in that. I, and, I, and I had no idea. I just kind of picked one at random that was online. That's right. That's right. Now, when I was watching that episode, I was, I was hoping you was going to choose mine, but I had no idea until it actually played. I was like, cool, that's, that's pretty sharp. You chose my station for it. Yeah. So uh, I got to say, you're probably like the, the best-dressed guy here, and then uh, we got number two and number three here with you. That's right. That's right. Anyway, it's good to see you guys, you know, people walking around here wearing the uh, T-shirt. So right behind us here, they got the uh, Go-Kit competition. You got an entry in there, right? I do. I have an entry in the HT competition. Why don't you tell us about what you got? All right, Tommy. So what we've got here is we've got an analog kit. This is the one that has the two Wuxon dual-band radios. Um, I've also got that running off of a 7-amp-hour sealed battery here, so it could run uh, quite some time on that battery. I've got a portable... um, a roll-out J-pole antenna that can be hoisted up for better communication here. And uh, that's just a shoulder bag. It's got a lot of stuff in it that's uh, really great for this type of communication. Take it with you anywhere you want to go, throw it behind the seat of your truck, deploy it really quick and easy. And then for the digital side, I built this DVAP Pi. It's got the uh, Raspberry, that's the B-plus model, with a uh, portable battery pack and the DVAP. And it's all built on this little gridded board here where you can pick it up, tote it around. It makes it real easy to... Uh, Stick on the passenger seat of the truck or something if you're going down the road. Yeah, nice. That's nice. Nice and neat and compact. Yeah, it is, and uh, it runs off this battery for probably about eight hours. So um, I really enjoy it a lot. That's what I take to work with me in when I'm mobile. Yeah, what's the capacity of the battery? Uh, the capacity, I want to say, is uh, 21 uh, amp hours on that. Okay, that's cool. I, I've got a 15,000 uh, milliamp hour, I guess, uh, 15. But uh, I get, get almost a day out of it. Yeah, it should last uh, at least eight hours, I believe. So. Well, cool. It's good to see you out here, and especially uh, representing like that. Well, I appreciate it, Tommy, and I really enjoy you all show a lot. I appreciate the, uh, the time and effort you all put into making it as well. There's a lot of hams out here that enjoy it and get a lot out of watching it. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Well, Wayne, looks like they got another cool kit here. There's a bunch of good ones. It looks like there is. I haven't been um, been able to look at them extensively yet to see what all everybody has, but uh, looks like a good assortment. Yeah, this is a nice one. There's a 857D in there, and um, I'm not sure what kind of box that is, but that's pretty nice to be able to mount it in. External speaker, got a power block up here, and an antenna switch on the top. Oh. Over here to the side, he's got his signal link set up for his 857 and a little MFJ power supply. A couple dipole antennas rolled up there, it looks like. Yeah, uh, see a vertical here. I've got one of those little little mounts there, but I have not been able to get mine to work just yet. Apparently, I don't have my ground system figured out. His looks a lot different than mine, so something i got to work on mine. Oh, you got one of these little tripod mounts? I do. I do. But I haven't been able to get it to work quite right yet, so i got to figure something out. Oh, cool. Well, it uh, looks pretty nice. Really uh, convenient, portable to carry around. It is, if you can get it to work. I just hadn't done that yet. All right, Wayne, we got another one here. This one doesn't have HF. It looks like he's got a Yaesu 7800, a uh, little gel cell battery, and a mag mount antenna on it in a nice little box. Yeah, yeah. Box is very nice. Uh, be nice if it had HF in there, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah, this, it looks very convenient. Uh, maybe a little bit longer antenna. Probably would help a little bit. 
Uh, overall, it's pretty nice, so I like the box. And moving on down the line here, this one, uh, what do we got in here? I see 725. I'm not familiar with some of the older rigs there, but uh, got a nice IC 725, signal link USB, uh, LGG tuner, and uh, I guess that's a power supply battery hooked up at the top. I guess it's power distribution box he's got made up here. I'm impressed with that. I like that. I'd like to know what he did. Yeah, if we catch him right here, we'll talk to him. But uh, he's got his battery inside that ammo box, which uh, that's kind of nice, but it kind of scares me a little bit. I, I've got one of these ammo boxes, and I thought about putting the batteries in it, but I was kind of scared of a short. If that short's out, that's going to be kind of a pretty big mistake, big mess. Yeah, it could be. It definitely could be. I'd have to get some foam or something to put on the top to keep it from making contact. Yeah, one of the plastic ammo boxes would be ideal for that. Okay, next down the line here, we got one. This one looks like it's for sale. 1200 bucks. Uh, but anyway, he's got his 857D in here. Got him a little LDG tuner. Little Kenwood. Looks like a little two-meter rig. Uh, small power supply. It's got a drawer in it. And uh, looks pretty handy. Nice little case, little equipment case like you do music equipment in or something. I really need to get me one of those for my go kit. Now, this one I've seen before. We went to a little Smart in the Park event near the house, and uh, he had this one set up out there. It's pretty nice, Wayne. Yep, that one definitely looks pretty nice. Got the gauges and dials and all that stuff on the front to control it. That looks good. Yeah, this one's Gary's KF5 uh, MWE. Got the power distribution center with the voltage on it, uh, MFJ tuner, MFJ power supply, signal link, and little uh, little bitty computer. And he's got a little, I'm not sure what that is right there, the Roshan radio, I guess. A uh, little switcher for his uh, TNC or signal link. Uh, Yesu... 897 radio in there. That's pretty nice. He's got a battery in the back of it. I remember seeing it before. And uh, over here, he's got uh, Ham Radio Deluxe running on a little battery-powered monitor. That's a pretty nice setup. He's geared up for just about anything there. He's got his Outbacker clone antenna on the back. we got Kerry here, N5KLT. Tell us about your setup, Kerry. Uh, yes, sir. Um, this folding table here uh, com- uh, collapses down to about four inches, so it's all designed to, to um, get very small so you can uh, travel with it. And so the lower unit platform here was designed to just move everything on here. So this platform is about a week old. You know, uh, last week it was a two-by-four two piece of birch plywood. So, but I like being off the grid with a solar panel here and the storage tube here, if you'll see that, uh, that's just basic for storage for the antenna support, which is a drum stand, goes right into there, and the uh, symbol uh, bag uh, is for the uh, pizza pan uh, for the reflective for the uh, magmine antenna. So, uh, musicians have a good way of traveling, so I, I am a musician, so I like, I take uh, cues from them. This is an amplifier stand right here, so I modified it to hold my solar panel. How many watts is your solar panel? 35 watts. And uh, so the storage is PVC tubes. Uh, is, the small one is for just antennas so things won't get damaged in, in transport. Uh, this is the actual kit that I use for the 13 Colony event, this setup. And so uh, Yezu FT840. And so it was, I got a clean sweep with this and also the two bonus stations. 
Uh, so, and I'm still I'm learning now about uh, the signal link USB. So I wanted that to uh, capability. So I'm still in the learning process. And uh, this is a very good uh, setup here for headphones. As you know, I've seen your programs. You know, so uh, very good. This is uh, actually a, a box for musical equipment, like Sweetwater uh, Music Supply. So I uh, just uh, use that for in. And if you can step around and look at the back side, it might help some. Uh, that's just an, uh, a battery I got from Northern Tool. It's just a uh, 22 amp hour battery, uh, AGM. And I like the capability of, of not having to worry about the, uh, it's sealed. So you don't have to worry about acid leaking everywhere. And same thing for this uh, 100 amp hour uh, AGM absorbent glass mat battery uh, just for longer use. Uh, and I like that, the fact that you, you don't have the fumes and the, and, the, and the leaks and that sort of thing. And so I just try to set it up for future uh, use uh, with uh, power pole connectors there. Um, and then just internal lights uh, that aren't, aren't very easy to use just to, to, so you can work in there. Work lights, basically. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea in case you need to do any cabling or whatever. I like everything's all nice and neat in there. Yes, yes sir. Thank you. It's a nice job. I appreciate you talking to us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Enjoy your program, too. Thank you. Looks like this is the last one, Wayne. Last but not least. Yep. I like the box. It's nice and orange. Yeah. It's uh, got the ICOM sticker on there. And uh, anyway, this is nice. It's got uh, GPS on here, uh, power distribution box with uh, power poles on it, external speakers. I'm not sure what this is. He's got a... A uh, nine-pin serial adapter on there. I'm sure it goes to the GPS for some re- some way and uh, ties that back in probably to his radio maybe. So he's got an IC706 Mark II here, uh, another little radio here. I'm not sure exactly what that one is. I can't see too good from here. little tuner, MFJ power supply, uh, a key, which uh, th- that doesn't fit my hand very well, so I don't have one of those. But uh, I understand they're handy if you know how to operate it. I wouldn't know. And you don't operate it either? It's been a long, long time since I've touched one of them. Well, anyways, overall, it's a nice box. I like the uh, the Dayglow Orange, too. Looks like we got the winner here, uh, John, KK4TXB. Tell us about what you got here, John. It's a pretty nice-looking setup. My, my concept was I didn't want to carry anything, so I put it on wheels, and I had a hunting cart for game available in a closet so i built on top of that a a, a frame and as a frame i built a top and a shelf and put my rig on it and it works and it's it deploys quickly it's got a built-in mast for hf it's got the buddy pole antenna and a two meter 440 antenna and if we walk around the side you can uh, see the operating station of the rig this is the rear of the rig with the 12 volt power and solar panel what, how many watts is your solar panel? That's 100 watts. Will it keep your battery charged? Yes, up? it will. That's a 66-amp-hour battery. So it's really just if you're going to be over, overnight, you'll want to use the solar to charge the next day. But it also has a built-in AC charger. If you can find a grid power somewhere, you can plug in and charge, keep your battery charged that way. Yeah, I like the little mast you've got built on there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an 18-foot buddy pole mast built into the cart, and the battery weights it down to keep it from swaying. Oh, yeah, good. that's a good idea. Let's look at the other side. For the HF rig, it's an ICOM 7200, and then for the VHF, it's an ICOM 51A, and a D-Stark with a VHF-UHF amplifier on the VHF, 
and 100 watts on the HF. It's got a, a DSP filtering speaker, a set of headphones, and then a shelf for storage that also has whatever your ham needs, all of your uh, accessories for uh, tragedies in the field if you have to patch together a cable. So it, it really worked out well for me. And I had no idea I was going to get first place, but I think it's because I thought outside the box. Uh, oh, and uh, what, what's the acronym for your cart here? Carts. Comms Always Ready Transportable Stations. That's pretty awesome. And I see you got the probably the next most important thing for field day here in Mississippi other than the radio. The sumbrella. That's absolutely correct. And a nice, wide, comfortable operating position. <laughs> Everything. All you need is a cooler and you're good. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you talking to us. Congratulations on winning. Thank you, guys. He had a really nice setup. He really did. All those were nice setups, yeah. but uh, it seems like he was thinking of comfort. Yeah, I, lo- I love the umbrella. Yeah. Like shade at field day down here, man, that's a necessity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who did, what about that, Peter? Do y'all do that kind of stuff down under? I can't say I've seen that kind of uh, competition before, but um, I-, I have to say that I was impressed with the solar power setup uh, that I saw. It, um, uh, you know, it, it makes uh, for portable usage, which is great. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a good time at the Capital City Ham Fest here in Jackson every December or, no, every January. Yeah, end of January, 1st of February yeah. sometime. Good Ham Fest. We're going to have a little bit more of that a little bit later on. But right now, Peter, why don't you set up your segment for us? My segment? Well... Um, after my kids coming to me and complaining of uh, constantly, uh, um, you know, getting uh, what, toolbars and viruses and all of that, I've, I've come to the conclusion uh, that Windows probably probably isn't such a great idea. So I've decided to switch to Linux, and I've found a distribution that I think you're going to be interested in. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. This month, I want to talk about how I've now installed Cinnamon Mint on my hard drive. Now, I was sick and tired of Trojans and viruses infecting Windows, so I decided to ditch Windows, not entirely, but due to cease using it on a day-to-day basis, and instead go with Linux. So what I've done is i found what I think is the perfect distribution for all of us, Cinnamon Mint. It's a version of Linux Mint, which you may have heard of before, but I find the presentation is a lot better. And it's a very, very functional and easy-to-use distribution. In uh, this segment today, I'm going to show you how you can download it and create a boot disk for installation. And I'm also going to show you some extra free software that you can add to Cinnamon Mint, which will give you a whole lot of extra ham radio functionality. So let's get started. First, you'll need to go to www.linuxmint.com and go to the Downloads uh, section. There, you can download an ISO file, which is like an image of a DVD. It ends in the extension .iso and comes in either a 32-bit or 64-bit version. If you're not sure which version is appropriate for your computer, just select the 32-bit version. Next, you're going to need a program to burn the ISO file to a blank DVD. So go to www.freeisoburner.com and download the program Free ISO Burner. 
using free ISO burner is quite easy. We've downloaded an ISO file, either a 32-bit or a 64-bit version for your computer. Firstly, we click on Open. We select the file that we downloaded, and here it is, Linux Mint 17.1 Cinnamon 64-bit.iso, and we click Open. And then we make sure that we've got a blank disk in our disk drive, and we simply click Burn. Okay, you've now created your Cinnamon Mint installation disk. What now? Well, essentially what you do is you uh, put this into your DVD drive and boot your computer and follow the instructions. Sounds simple. Now, if you're just wiping the whole disk and installing Cinnamon Mint, you shouldn't have too many problems at all. On the other hand, though, if you want to partition the hard drive and actually set up Cinnamon Mint alongside Windows, that can get a little bit complex, and uh, that would take a lot more time than I've got available here today. So what I've done is I'm providing a link down below to a detailed set of instructions that you can follow to actually do partitioning, if that's what you want to do. This is the Cinnamon desktop, and as you can see, I've selected one of the many desktop wallpapers that come built in with Cinnamon. To change your wallpaper, right-click on the desktop, select Change Desktop Background, and then select your background of choice. For example, Ancient. There you go. And just to get out of that, I kind of prefer Fiji though, so <laughs> we'll, we'll change it back to Fiji. On the bottom left-hand side of the screen is a menu button that brings up an attractive menu. There's buttons here to quit, to log out, to lock the screen, to go to Firefox. Uh, there's a software manager, system settings, a terminal program, and a file manager. I've also installed Chromium, which is a Linux version of Chrome. However, it doesn't come pre-installed with Cinnamon. You need to go to Administration and then run the Synaptic Package Manager to install it. Now, on the left here, we've got a number of different categories with a number of pre-installed programs. Under Office, you'll see the LibreOffice suite of programs, and they all give pretty much the same uh, functionality as Microsoft Office. Now, most of what you're going to do, uh, probably with your computer, is to browse the internet and also uh, to send and receive mail. You've got Firefox Web Browser for web browsing and also Thunderbird Mail for sending and receiving email. However, you can install your own browsers or mail clients uh, using the Synaptic Package Manager. Also, down here on the left, you've got a Preferences tab. That gives access to a number of preference settings so that you can customise your Cinnamon to the way that you want it. I'm now going to show you how to install a program in Linux. On the internet, there are libraries of free software called repositories, and you can download this free software using some programs that come with Cinnamon. Click on Menu, and then Administration, and down to Synaptic Package Manager. And we enter our password, which we would have provided when we uh, installed Linux, and hit Enter, and up comes the Synaptic Package Manager. You'll see here a list of files that are available and also 
a list of descriptions for those files. And what we're going to do is we're going to download and install a program that can do JT65. So we type in JT65 in the search box and it's narrowed it down to one program, WSJTX, which if I click on it, you'll see uh, in the description down the bottom here says that it can do modes JT9 and JT65. So I want this program. So I click on the box here and mark that for installation. Then click on apply and up comes a box asking me, do you want to apply the following changes? And I click apply again. Now what happens is it will download the files uh, and then install the software. And that's been done. So I click close and then get out of the Synaptic Package Manager, like so. Now when I go to back to my menu and go to all applications and scroll right to the bottom, I should find WSJTX. I can put that on my desktop by right-clicking and then clicking on Add to Desktop. Now when I click on the newly installed icon, up will come the program. I like Firefox a lot as a browser, but I much prefer Chromium because I find it to be a lot quicker. So once you've gone to the Synaptic Package Manager and installed Chromium, you'll find it under uh, Menu and then Internet and then Chromium Web Browser. This is what it's going to look like. The main reason I use Chromium is speed. It runs really, really quickly. I'm not a big fan of the Thunderbird mail client, so what I recommend you do is go to uh, the Synaptic Package Manager and install a program called Evolution. It will install itself under Office, or rather under the Office category. And so let's click on it and have a look at it. As you can see, it's a full uh, mail client. You can send and receive emails, and it's got a preview screen down the bottom. It's quite well laid out and very easy to use. We now come to the question of Internet security. The good news is that Linux is uh, pretty resistant to things like viruses and trojans. Hey, that's good news. However, there could be some young teenage kid down your street trying to hack into your computer right now. And that would not be a good thing. You need some protection against this, this hacker. Who will call, let's say, Darren? How are we going to protect ourselves against Darren? Well, what you need is a firewall. And the good news is that Sidman comes with a firewall built in. All you need to do is turn it on. So what we're going to do is open up a terminal window. Just press the terminal button down here at the bottom. And we type sudo ufw and enable. Now before I hit enter, I should point out something here. The actual command is ufw enable, but I've prefixed that with the sudo command. The sudo command is kind of like telling the computer open sesame. And uh, no matter how silly a command you give to the computer, uh, if you put sudo in front of it, it will do it. If you tell it to wipe my hard drive and you put sudo in front of the command, it'll do it. Uh, so you've got to be very careful with sudo and uh, make sure that you're, you're, whatever you're telling it to do, you know what it's going to do. Now, the other thing is also that you should spell it properly, S-U-D-O. Don't, for example, spell it S-U-M-O. 
For example, if you put in a command with sumo, you might be wrestled by a large Japanese gentleman, which would not be a good thing either. Anyway, back to our command, sudo ufw enable. Let's hit enter. Now it asks me for my password, which you would have uh, set up when you actually uh, set up Cinnamon. We hit enter. And now my firewall is active. Every time I start up Cinnamon, my firewall will be active and I'll be protected against Darren, which is a good thing. I'm going to finish up with a few suggestions for programs that you can download using the Synaptic Package Manager. The first is Wine, a program that will enable you to run some Windows applications under Linux, which is handy because there aren't always Linux versions of the programs you're used to in Windows. Next is QSSTV, which is a slow scan television program for Linux. Earlier on, I installed WSJTX, which runs the Whisper mode. GMFSK will do Ruti, Olivia, Throb, PSK, CW, and a couple of other modes. FLDigi will do Ruti, Olivia, Throb, Weatherfax, Hellschreiber, CW, and various other modes. Audacity, as you know, is a, a very, very good uh, sound recording program. Now, if you're into programming in Python, uh, Cinnamon's really good because Python comes built in, but the IDE doesn't. So what you need to do is install Idle so that you can put your own Python programs together. Next is Simple Screen Recorder, and I've actually been using Simple Screen Recorder all through this segment, and I think you'll agree it works pretty well. Next is ClamTK, which is a virus scanner. Now, I, with Linux, you don't really need a virus scanner. However, because uh, many of you will have a Windows partition, it's handy to have a virus scanner so that you can scan from Linux and scan the Windows partition on your hard drive. Next is gpredict, which is a satellite tracking program. And finally, perhaps most importantly, is a program that I'm just starting to uh, get familiar with. It's called Caden Live, and it's a fully featured uh, video editing suite. It looks really, really good. Well, that finishes up my tour of Cinnamon and various other uh, programs that you can add to the distribution. I think you'll agree it's a pretty good package. Well, Peter, it looks like you had a lot of fun with that. Oh, it's it's a great distribution, and I really have been using it probably 90 to 95% of the time. There's just one or two applications that I haven't set up on, uh, uh, on Linux yet, uh, namely Skype, for example, which I'm using uh, on Windows at the moment. That, um, but I, 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 the only problem is that the Skype for Linux isn't quite as uh, functional or as full functional or has, has as many options as the Windows version has. So yeah. uh, that's why I'm just using that at the moment. But uh, I might look just to see what the latest version has uh, got to offer. Yeah. Okay. I've been doing some Linux this week on the Raspberry Pi. We're going to talk about that in a minute here. But, you know, you know I guess I'm going to have to set up a partition sooner or later and play with it some more. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I can see where it could be You're going to have to work for some things pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I've <laughs> been there, done that all week long. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we're going to come back and talk about that in a minute. But first, let's have a message from one of the people who makes the show possible, MFJ. 
and Ameritron. Ameritron's new ALS 1306 is a 1.5 to 54 MHz solid-state near-legal-limit FET no-tune amplifier. It's got 1,200 watts PEP output on all bands, including 10 and 6 meters, instant automatic band switching, no tuning, no warm-up, and no tubes to pamper. ALS-1306's reliability is ensured by using eight rugged MRF-150 power FETs mounted on a dual heavy-duty heatsink properly arranged to distribute heat over a large surface. Single-power device amplifiers can't do that. ALS-1306 outputs up to 1,200 watts of clean SSB power with just 100 watts of drive. Add an optional interface cable for your radio and automatic band switching lets you put your amplifier and power supply out of the way. The ALS-1306 automatic band switching reads band data from your transceiver and automatically changes bands as you make adjustments on your radio. Built-in SWR protection prevents amplifier damage if you accidentally switch to a wrong band, use the wrong antenna, or have high VSWR. Overpower protection prevents forward and reflected power from exceeding safe levels. Output power is automatically reduced to prevent amplifier damage by controlling ALC to the exciter. The ALS-1306 is powered by a 50-volt DC, 50-amp switching power supply, which comes with a pre-wired cable. This hash-free, fully regulated switching power supply is only 12 pounds and can be placed conveniently out of the way. The power supply comes wired for 220 volts AC, but can be changed to 110 volts. It draws less than 25 amps at 110 volts or 12 amps at 220 volts. If you're looking for a modern amplifier for your ham shack, then you owe it to yourself to look at the Ameritron ALS-1306. Visit Ameritron.com today and check out the full line of the world's most popular HF linear amplifiers. Now, that may be my next amplifier. Yeah, you it know, looks like a nice one. Yeah, I've got a Meritron uh, tube amplifier now, and I've been, you know, pleased with it. And they're the most popular amplifiers in the world, and and I think they've about got the solid-state thing down now. It's... Yeah. Um, I think they're really selling, well, from the information I've heard, that the, the solid-state amps have really come on in the last, you know, two or three I years. i got an amplifier in my future at some point. Yeah. Do you know, guys, that um, we don't actually have an extra class here in Australia? Uh, I believe you do, uh, which gives you a higher power output. Uh, actually, it doesn't change. We have an extra class, but it doesn't change power output. If you are general, you can run just as much power as an extra could. Oh. Uh, it just mainly um, with the extra class here, we just get more uh, privileges or, or yeah. wider bands. Yeah. A little more. It's a little really, more. not a lot. Not a lot, but uh, when there's a lot of polyps on there, that little extra space can can be yeah. kind of a free area. A headroom. Yeah. Well. You know, I mentioned earlier I'd been playing with the Raspberry Pi a little bit uh, this week or past couple of weeks, and our good friend Mike VE3MIC up in Canada has has been working on the same project here, and uh, boy, thank goodness, because <laughs> uh, he really helped me out a lot on this one, but Let's take a look and uh, see the DV3000. You might remember at Pacificon this year, I picked up one of these DV3000 cards from Northwest Digital Radio. This is a card with a little Kodak on it that enables a Raspberry Pi to operate D-Star and other digital modes. There's also versions of this for USB. But we're going to go through the steps today to make this work and see how it turns out. For the Raspberry Pi, I'm going to use my original Model B here. This only has 256 megs of RAM on it, but 
They say that'll work. This one was the one I used for the Echolink Pi project that I eventually scrapped. But you can see in here I have the transistor circuit I was using to key the transmitter with. And I've just pulled that back out of the way in case I ever want to use that again. You will need an external sound device to do this because the Raspberry Pi only has an audio output, no input. So I've got one of these cheap little Chinese sound devices that I used on the Echolink Pi project. And it's already mounted and fits in my case perfectly. The cheap Chinese sound device just didn't work out. All I had was noise for transmit audio. So I ended up buying a Logitech H390 headset on closeout at Radio Shack. Let's go through the steps now and make this work. Back in August of 2012, episode 42, I showed you my 10-minute Raspberry Pi recipe for setting up a Raspberry Pi and getting the operating system on it and booted the first time. So we're not going to cover that here. To make this project go a lot easier, a good friend of the show, Mike Morneau, VE3MIC, has put together the AmateurLogic.tv companion guide to setting up the DV3000. It's going to tell us everything we need to know, and probably a little extra. You can find the guide online at AmateurLogic.tv slash downloads slash DV3000.pdf, and the DV is uppercase. I've also included a version as a text file so you can download it to your Raspberry Pi and cut and paste text from it into your command line. And there's a few things you're going to need in order to pull this off. You'll need a Raspberry Pi Model B. You're going to need a USB audio adapter with an audio in on it since the Raspberry Pi does not have that on it and it'll need to be supported by Raspbian. You'll need an SD card, at least a 4 gigabyte minimum. You'll need a Raspbian image and a full-time internet connection, and administrative access to your internet router. Now, if you're new to Linux, Mike has put together a great little guide that will give you most of the terminology that we're going to use. Now, note that all these commands are case-sensitive. Mike steps us through everything we need to know to get the image and make the adjustments to the Raspberry Pi as necessary. He also shows us how to set up a static IP address on your Raspberry Pi, which you will need to do. He also shows you how to set up X11 VNC that allows you to access your Raspberry Pi from another computer, even over the Internet. And that's something that I wanted for sure, so I've got that set up on mine. And then he'll tell us the steps to getting the Raspberry Pi ready to accept the DV3000. And that's where we're going to pick up today. The document gives us all the steps for increasing the UART clock rate on the Pi, disabling the Getty, because we don't want that running on the Pi serial port, and disabling the console on the serial port as well. After we've done that, we install the DV3000 board in the Pi. Now, the earlier Raspberry Pis had no mounting holes, so you're going to have to be careful there. The later models actually had two mounting holes in there, and there's a little standoff that you could mount to the board, and you could secure it to the hole in the Raspberry Pi. Well, this is the early Model B. It doesn't have that. You could put the standoff on and then put some electric tape over the board to keep from damaging the components on it. It fits so tight in my case here, though, I believe I'm just going to put it in without a standoff. Now, you need to make sure that everything lines up correctly on the headers here. Once you've got that done, you can put power back on the Raspberry Pi and let it boot up. And then it's time to begin installing the software. We'll install the AmbiServer GPIO 
That means we'll have to install the Get Distributed Revision Control System, then we'll be cloning in to OpenDV, and we'll be testing the DV3000 for communications with the Raspberry Pi. And there's a Python test script included for that. Next, we'll need to build from the source file. If your image of Raspbian already had Wiring Pi installed, then you're good to go. Some of the more recent Raspbian images already have Wiring Pi installed. Unfortunately, mine didn't. How could you test to see if Wiring Pi is installed? Well, you could type GPIO space read all. And you can see here I got command not found. If wiring is installed, you should see a table like this one. Once we're through installing and building the AMBI server, it's time to move on to installing the IRC DDB gateway. Mike gives us all the instructions for that. One point I'll make here is at the end of the installation procedure listed, you're likely to come up into a text-based setup program. Just step on through that. When you get to the end of it, to run the GUI gateway configuration, we type sudo space irc ddb gateway config. There's so many steps during configuration that we don't have time to go through them all in this 10-minute segment. Fortunately, Mike did a great job in the document of showing each one. After that's complete, we need to install the dummy repeater. After the installation's complete, to run the dummy repeater, just type dummy repeater. We've got two pages detailing the main screens of the dummy repeater and how they would be used, followed by several pages of the preferences for setting up the dummy repeater. There's a number of options that you do need to set correctly in here, but just follow along in the instructions and you'll get it. After that, it's time to do some checking of the audio levels, and you use the ALSA mixer to do that. We'll need to open certain ports in our firewall or our router now. And the document shows good details on how to do that. Your router may be different, but there's plenty of information on the Internet to help you accomplish that. Now, if you followed along and done everything correctly up to this point, then it's time to rock and roll with a little bit of D-Star goodness. And we've got a page here that shows us how to start up the Ambi server and the dummy repeater. But you might want it to start automatically when you boot your Pi. Fortunately, we've got those instructions as well, and that's the way I set mine up. You can even operate D-Star from your PC or another computer. It doesn't have to be operated on the Raspberry Pi as long as you can get to it over your network or the Internet. And we've got the instructions on how to do that as well. Mike put a lot of time into this document to make sure everything was right, and I put a lot of time in it troubleshooting it and breaking it, and it's been patched several times, so it should be pretty much correct. However, if something doesn't go just right for you, you can contact Mike, and he'll be glad to help you out. Now, the DV3000, from what I've seen so far, is a great little inexpensive device to get on D-Star with. I know I'm going to enjoy it, but... Let's have a little fun right now. See if we can get the kinks out of these uh, DV3000s. So over you, George, W5JDX uh, from VE3MIC in the group. Okay, Mike, W5JDX copying you good here in Mississippi. I've got my DV3000 plugged into the Raspberry Pi, but I'm using my PC over the network for the audio. And it seems to be working well now. We initially had a, a few kinks getting things going there, but I think that was uh, probably something that we weren't doing just right. 
Yeah, your audio sounded really good that time, George. So, I'm not sure if you made any other changes. Uh, zero pack of mods, at least uh, from my end. I am back this time from the Raspberry Pi itself, and I'm using this little Logitech headset that I bought at Radio Shack on closeout. I mean, for for <laughs> what we have going here, um, I wasn't expecting it to be uh, perfect by any means, and uh, certainly we're running. Uh, uh, at best, I guess, uh, open source software. Well, I think our tests are successful here. It seems like it's going to work just fine. And so, Mike, I'm going to say good evening to you. It's been a lot of fun, and I appreciate all the help getting the DV3000 set up here, and I'm sure a lot of folks are going to get good use out of that document because for $99 and a Raspberry Pi, uh, you can get into D-Star and... Uh, you know, it's not a radio, but it's another method. And certainly for the experimenter, it's something that you'd want to play with. The E3MIC W5JDX. Even though it's not a radio there, you're still coming out on the radio somewhere. You are, yeah. You know, I could sit right here and get on my notebook computer and connect to that Pi, plug in a microphone, and, and t- be on D-Star yeah. w- without even being at the Pi. Yeah, and the nice thing also, you can open the port on your router, mm-hmm. and you could actually, you know, be gone and and use your laptop somewhere out, and yeah. and use that device to get on D-Star and not even have to take it with you. Yeah, so you know every every device that comes around like this, it just kind of takes D-Star one more step. Uh, that I think that's something new, isn't it? Being able to to access that device remotely. Yeah, that's the first thing that's the first thing I know of that does that. There may yeah. be others but not aware. And uh Northwest Digital Radio, they've got those little boards for $99 and you can see the Pi I was using was the very first model of Raspberry Pi B and yeah. they could support it. So oh, yeah. Uh a great little product there. They're going to use that board in their own radio, but they built it such that it would work in the Raspberry Pi, too. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nice. I may end up picking up one of those myself. Well, let's take a break now for a message from another one of our great sponsors, ICOM. From new models to classic radios, there's something for everyone this season. So get out or hunker down with ICOM. Celebrate ICOM's 50th year with the IC7850. Only 150 units are available, and each radio features 1.2 kHz optimized roofing filter, a new local oscillator design with improved phase noise, several spectrum scope enhancements, and distinct gold accents on the front panel and commemorative label. For contesters just starting out this year, ICOM's IC7600. You get advanced DSP technology and IF roofing filters, dual watch on the same band on an ultra-wide 5.8-inch display. Got cabin fever and need to get away? Get mobile with ICOM's IC2730A and ID5100A. The analog 2730A mobile and digital 5100A with built-in GPS. Both feature optional Bluetooth capability for hands-free operation, 50 watts output power on both VHF and UHF, and a large backlit screen. For entry-level D-Star operation, take the ID888H on the road. Features include a good menu structure and VHF-UHF dual-band functionality, one band at a time. To hunker down or get out, the ID51A Plus is a perfect radio to enjoy global communications. This dual-bander has the free downloadable RSMS1A Android app, enhanced DV functionality, and additional D-plus reflector link commands. Make sure you visit icomamerica.com slash amateur 
For more information on ICOM's base stations, mobiles, and portables. Tommy, you saw that little blue handy talkie there, that 50th anniversary. Yeah, somebody got one, didn't they? Yeah, they just dropped the prices on those, and I got one. Yeah, I saw it sitting over there. I haven't got it all programmed up yet. I've only had it in here a couple of days, but man. Yeah, you're going to enjoy that. I love mine. I I travel every week and take it with me every week. Yep. Well, we got a little more footage here from the Hamfest. We, uh... We ran into a couple of celebrities down there, didn't we? Yeah, man, there's always a lot of surprises at the Hamfest. You just never know. There was some real good deal on some uh, some nice Sony gear here. Well, Betamax, huh? Oh, yeah, man, top of the line. Wow. It even has a tape in it. Yeah, and it's, it was recorded. It worked. Wow. Hadn't seen one of those in a while. Take it back to the old days. Yeah, it would. <laughs> Walking around the ham fest here at Jackson, I heard there was J-Lo sighting here. There's J-Lo right there. Hey, how you doing? Hey, KC5 J-L-O, what's your name? Pierre, Pierre Smith out of Jackson, Mississippi. KC5 J-L-O. But what do they call you? J-Lo. All my friends call me J-Lo. Yeah, you know. You know, you know, when you were telling me that before, you kind of messed up my whole mental picture. Oh, don't get me confused with my sister, Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez, that is. <laughs> and you having a good time at the Hamfest? Having a great time, enjoying it. Uh, I always come out here. I always come out. Yeah, it's always a good time. But. It is a good time, and I'm glad that everybody comes out. It's a good gathering. Got a bunch of my friends back here in the background from all over the state. Well, anyway, it's good talking to you. I thought I'd introduce J-Lo to the rest of the people. Good to see you. All right. Well, we're having a great time at the Capital City Ham Fest here today. Oh, wait a minute. What kind of activities are we going on here, sir? I want to. I need to find out. I'm a licensed amateur radio operator, and you look like you're breaking some kind of a radio. You have an illegal aerial up around here or something? Well, that looks illegal right there. What's going on here? No, no, I'm okay. If you notice, I'm wearing the badge of the iron test pattern. Ooh, very impressive. Very impressive. What's going on, Chief? Not much. Uh, when did you get here? Time is it? A couple hours ago. Just been roaming around looking for you. Well, cool. I'm glad you finally found me. Me too. Me too. It's good to be found. Yeah. Well, let's let's take a look around here. There's bound to be something that. Well, there's a bunch of interesting stuff, but something that we can expound upon. Well, yeah. Um, it's Swan season. Is this what you were talking about, Don? Yes, one of them. This is the 700CX that uh, I kind of am drooling over. That's a gorgeous radio. It looks beautiful. There's a, a 500CX. There's, in fact, there's a whole line of great vintage radios here. Um, there's a, a Tempo 1 here. There's uh, some Kenwood and Yezu stuff. But these swans have kind of caught my eye. I had a 500CX years ago, and I wish I would have never let it go. It was... Um, a very early serial number, according to the Swan Gurus, it was like number nine off of the assembly line. So it was almost a prototype. Don, it looks like we ran into some stuff. We know what it is. Yeah, there's some broadcast stuff. This is an old um, little uh, five-channel Sparta uh, board. Not uh, not much you could do with that, I don't think. But you know, if you had just a small radio station, or re- this would be really good for remote broadcast. I remember back in the, when I started, you know, we would bring the turntables and the records and everything else out, and we had something like this. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. You know, the first radio station I ever worked at, the AM was king back in those days, but we had an FM, it was automated, so they really didn't need much of a board in there, and this is what they had. They had the stereo version of this. Yeah, this is actually drool-worthy. This is an old Gates the Yard board, and the reason they called it that is because it's just about three feet long. And, uh, man, there are a lot of radio guys who cut their teeth on a board 
a lot like this. I didn't start with a yard board, but I did start with a Gates. Um, I can't remember what criterion or something. That may be wrong. Diplomat or whatever it is. But anyway, I started on a Gates board as well back 37-something years ago. So, But this is a classic. I notice it's got N5LIP. I know that guy, so I know what radio station this came from. Yeah, well, WTYL yep, is the, it. there's a note here. Now, according to this piece of paper here, feel free to make an offer on anything here. Don't intend to haul it home. He also has, and again, we were talking about if you want to do a 160 station, he's got a Collins 1KW AM broadcast transmitter. He uses three 3500Zs. Make three? Three of them. Make an offer. He's got a Yezu uh, FT920 and a couple of Alinkos as well. Um, but And then something else for, you know, if you want to have a really, really good sounding 160-meter uh, AM station, he's got the audio processing right here as well. So uh, this is a slick. If you want to get into 160 and do it really, really well, you could have some fun with this. Pretty good ham fest, isn't it, Don? Give me one. This is a pretty good you fish. Like you have any sports. You look like you're having a lot of fun, George, with Don. <laughs> yeah, we, we, you know, we have a lot of fun when we get together. It's usually at the Jackson Ham Fest and then maybe at the Huntsville Ham Fest or Dayton every sometimes couple of years. Sometimes at Dayton. Yeah, sometimes at Dayton. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we had a good time there. Uh, you He's know, a character. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, no, I'll just leave it at that. We're about to wrap up the show for tonight, but we really had a good time. I want to mention uh, a couple of things before we go, don't we, Tommy? Yeah, we do. We just shot the episode number one official first uh, Ham College episode. It was really the second because we had a pilot. It was the first official. First official. Yeah. And I uh, got good response on that. Yeah, it's been it's been great. Uh, a lot of downloads, a lot of great uh, comments and everything. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. You can download it at the same place as you get Amateur Logic. Yep, and uh, you, we've got a website, hamcollege.tv, but any of your uh, Amateur Logic resources, social network, the Amateur Logic website, you know, any of those, we're going to be posting the Ham College on there as well. And so check it out. We'll be doing another episode at the end of the month, and we'll let you know when. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we stream it live just like we do this one, so you get to see the bloopers as they happen. Yep. And Some people seem to enjoy those. So. Yeah, they must, man. <laughs> they really must. <laughs> well, one other thing we want to mention, and what is that? Well, the Amateurologic Shop at amateurologic.spreadshirt.com. And you can get your shirt or swag just like we saw Bobby wearing at the Jackson Ham Fest. Yep, be the best-dressed ham at the next Ham Fest. Yep. And uh, mm-hmm. Actually, we need to have some kind of contest for uh, how many people we see walking around Dayton this year. With Amateur Logic shirts on. We do. I tell you what, maybe we should give them, what, a $100 bill? To split between them all? (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe not. Yeah, the one with my face on it? That one, yes, yes. Remember that one? That's a $1,000 bill there. There you go. That's worth more. Well, let's see, a couple more things before we go here. Uh, Don't forget, we've got that Echolink net. When's it going to be this month, Tommy? It is going to be February the 23rd, and that'll be at 8.30 p.m. Central Time, which I think will be 0130 UTC. I think it's 0230 UTC. Okay, well, just watch for us on the social media outlets. We'll post the correct time. Yep, over at Star, do drop in Star. And also... That's node 355-800. It is. By the way. And don't forget about our social networks. We've got the Facebook group. We've got the Google Plus group. You can follow at Amateur Logic on Twitter. Yep, that's 
that's pretty that's, much it. That's pretty much it. That's enough. If you do all of that, yeah, you'll be busy. Yeah. But uh, some great groups there, um, a lot of friendly hams in there. We've always got some good discussions going on, and, and everybody participates in it. You know, you got a question, don't know the answer to, you're trying to troubleshoot something. Come over to one of these groups and throw your question in there. Somebody yeah. somebody will have an answer. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic community. All, all of those are, and uh, people always pitch in to help. Yep. One other resource that uh, we don't want to forget about, and that's the show notes wiki that uh, Dan and 9LVS does for us every month. And yeah. it's at amateurlogic.tv slash what? Slash wiki. Yep. And yeah, thank you, Dan, for doing that. He always does a great job on it. Yep. And the document I showed uh, tonight for the DV3000 that Mike did for us, there'll be the link there uh, for that document as well. So yeah, you're going to you definitely remember, need that. Yeah, you're going to definitely need that. You can do it the hard way and comb the web yourself, but Mike did all the hard work, so why would you? Yeah. You know? Yeah, appreciate that, Mike. Well, we appreciate everyone being with us tonight. Another uh, fun show. Uh, a lot of a lot of good things this time around, I think. Yeah, it was great. Really it had some great it. segments. Uh, yeah. So lot of fun shooting it. Yeah. So join us again uh, next month, around the 15th of the month. And we'll do what? Episode 76. 76. This is 75. This was a milestone. We didn't even have wine or no. water or anything. I spilt it all last time. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. 73. 73. 73. Well, one other thing we want to mention, and what is that? The swag shop. Yeah. You can take Peter's face off. <laughs> We're going to have to put Peter's face you on it. You can get a t-shirt with Peter's face on it. And don't forget about amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com, where you can go. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, it's that time of the year again. We're at the 2015 Ham Fest, uh, Jackson Capital City Ham Fest, actually. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's we are. Don't forget to check out this shirt. <laughs> Got this uh, little Outbacker antenna on the back. I don't think that's an Outbacker. He's got his Outbacker clone antenna on the back. Don't forget to check out the shirt shop. Doggone. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to check out the shirt shop at <laughs> No, no, no. No, no. I'm not supposed to say shirt shop. <laughs> no. A shirt shop? The, yeah, the no, no. swag okay. shop. I'll start again.